familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Once a baby reaches about three to five weeks of age, breastfeeding parents might consider offering their babies a bottle of express breast milk here and there. Every once in a while, though, the infant has different intentions and may refuse to take the bottle. What's a parent to do? I'm Veronica Tingzon, an international board-certified lactation consultant and the owner of the Original Comfort Food in San Diego, California. Today, we're discussing what to do when your breastfed baby refuses to take a bottle. This is the Boob Group, episode number nine. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk. What's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group because mothers know breast. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also a certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At The Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Wondering how you can become involved with our show? Visit our website at theboobgroup.com where you can send us comments or suggestions through the contact link. Join the conversation on our Facebook page. You can even call The Boob Group hotline at 619 619- 866-4775. The Boob Group is also looking for listeners to join our blogging team. If you'd like to share your current or past experiences about breastfeeding, be sure to send us an email. Today we're joined by three fabulous panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you introduce yourself, please? Hi, I'm Keegan Sheridan. I'm 35. I'm a naturopathic doctor and also a natural food and lifestyle expert for a major cereal company. I have two children. Um, the oldest is 23 months, and the youngest is almost six months. I'm Valeria. I'm 26 years old and currently a stay-at-home mom. I have two small children, Olivia and Mila. Olivia is two and a half, and Mila is almost 11 months. I'm Christina Williams. I'm 33 years old. I'm in medical education, and I have one daughter. She's just about five months. Well, thanks for joining us, ladies. <coughs> Sounds familiar. <coughs> If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. 
Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Before we get started with today's topic, here's Wendy Wright talking about breastfeeding tips for the working mom. Hi, Boob Group listeners. I'm Wendy Wright, an internationally board-certified lactation consultant and the owner of Lactation Navigation in Palo Alto, California. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions about returning to work as a breastfeeding mother. One of the questions we get all the time is, what should I do to plan for my first day back at work? This is a huge step. The very first day, and in fact, the first week, can be extremely stressful for new moms. We're sleep-deprived, everything is new to us, and we're missing our infant terribly. Some of the things to do before your first day back um, would be to take a practice day, a day that you're not obligated to go to work, but you could actually pretend to be at work. Drop your baby at daycare or have your nanny come over, pump during the day, um, run some errands and actually get out of the house, practice getting dressed and being places on time. Just a practice day should make you feel much more comfortable that first day you do need to return to the job. Also, you'll want to put together a pumping checklist that you can have near your front door that you can check in the evening or in the morning on your way out to work. It contains items like breast pumps, shields, tubing, all your valves and membranes, collection bottles, ice packs for storage, everything that you potentially need to take with you in order to make your pumping day successful. By reviewing a checklist routinely every morning or evening, you will avoid forgetting things that may really inhibit your ability to feel comfortable during the day. Another idea to plan for your first day and week back would be to start with a short week. If at all possible, start back to work on Wednesday or Thursday. That way, you'll have a couple of days at work, and then you'll have two days on the weekend to regroup, fix anything that didn't go well those first couple of days, get some sleep, and then start again on Monday morning with the five-day stretch. Women who've done this have found it to be very, very successful and also helps them ease back into the new routine. The other thing I'd like to recommend is think about your pumping schedule before returning to work. What is it going to look like? And make sure to set aside time on your calendar. For example, a pumping day may look like this. Wake up around 6 a.m., nurse your baby, shower, dress, have a healthy breakfast, and then pump one time before you leave the home. 7.30 or so, leave for work with your baby. 8 o'clock, for example, you might drop off at daycare. Talk to your care provider about your baby's needs, and then nurse your infant before you leave the daycare provider. Once you arrive at work, clear messages, get organized, and take your first pumping break around 10 a.m. Pump a second time during your lunch hour, and a third pumping break sometime around 3 in the afternoon, doing your very best to spread the pumping breaks evenly throughout the day. Leave work at 5, pick up your baby and nurse while you're discussing your baby's day with your child provider. Come home, eat dinner, and then just work on getting that baby the closeness and the togetherness of your family for the rest of the evening, nursing as necessary. Once baby's asleep, clean pump parts, get ready for the next day, and go to bed as early as possible so you're ready to face the world. 
Thanks so much for listening today. And please visit www.lactationnav.com for more great information about my business, Lactation Navigation. And be sure to listen to the Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing the optimal time to introduce a bottle to our breastfed babies, as well as what to do if our babies refuse to take a bottle. Our expert, Veronica Tingzan, is an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the Original Comfort Food in San Diego, California. Veronica, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Robin. Veronica, let's start with the basics of bottle feeding the breastfed baby. For a breastfeeding mom who wants her baby to take a, both the breast and the bottle, when is the best time to introduce that first bottle? Well, there's kind of a time window where you really kind of want to inter- introduce the, the, the bottle if you're going to be needing to do so. I mean, not every mother has to, um, but the ones that are going to introduce it, you want to wait till the breastfeeding is established. And usually that's somewhere about three weeks, um, all the way up till about eight weeks. But what happens is a lot of moms hear the word three weeks and they're tired and they go, okay, it's three weeks and I'm going to introduce the bottle and they introduce it sooner than than they need to. Um, So make sure breastfeeding is established and the soonest you want to do is about three weeks. Okay, terrific. And do you have any recommendations for techniques on how to help the baby go back and forth between the breast and bottle? Well, once again, first of all, making sure that the breastfeeding is fully well established. And what I mean by that is that the baby has the mechanics of the latch to the mom down pat. Um, I kind of compare it to uh, being able to use a fork versus being able to use chopsticks. Once you've learned how to use chopsticks, you can go back and forth between the the fork and the chopsticks just fine. But if you try using the fork first and not using the chopsticks, then it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to learn how to do the chopsticks. So learn how to breastfeed properly first. Then the whole method of going back and forth between breast and bottle is just keeping the skill alive. Okay, now I've got breastfeeding down. Now I'm going to try to do bottle feeding once a day because it's really not that hard of a task. But sometimes they don't want to go back and forth. So you still have to keep it up at least maybe once a day or once every other day so that the baby can still be familiar with going to the bottle. And then it's a skill that they never lose. Yeah, because I find that sometimes, like I'll get phone calls from moms who are going back to work at about three months and um, the baby took the bottle great for those mm-hmm. first couple weeks that they had inter- after they had introduced it. And then all of a sudden their baby decides that they no longer want that bottle. And so it becomes quite a challenge and a, a battle of wills almost. Do you find that happens as well with you? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I get these panicked phone calls or in support group, mom's like, oh my gosh, can you try to see if you can do it? You know, and... And once again, that baby is just like, uh-uh, no way. I want it straight from the tap. I want the real thing. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to go to that plastic artificial thing. Um, and eventually they do start to take it or start to take a, a breast substitute. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, it, it, it can be a challenge, especially if you have somebody who's not very patient watching your child. So if it's um, a daycare center versus, you know, grandma or daddy. Uh, so if if you can line up somebody that, you know, is very familiar with the child and is going to be patient enough to really kind of coax their way through to that other form of, you know, breastfeeding substitute, you know, then then they're going to have more success than the, you know, sterile daycare center that's like, forget this, that's it, I'm not even trying. So, yeah. um, And how should a breastfeeding mom choose a bottle for her baby? Because I know a lot of them are very concerned, and I was as well, about this whole concept of nipple confusion. And so how to make it so that, it, would you say there's a recommendation for how to choose which one's best for your baby or just kind of try it out and see what happens? <laughs> it's kind of the one that, the kid chooses. I always laugh when moms get these like multi-packs of one specific bottle and then the mom goes to use it. The kid hates it, you know, and I'm like, don't do that. You know, get one of a whole bunch of different kinds and figure out the one that the kid likes. Um, You know, my kid, of course, gravitated, my first child gravitated to the one that was the $7 one that you could only purchase in Japan that my sister sent to me. <laughs> and of course, that was the, it was a $7 nipple that <laughs> I couldn't find anywhere. And it was, that's just the one he liked. And so, of course, you know, I'm ordering online, you know, $7 per nipple. <laughs> Whatever, it was the one he liked, and it was the one that I was able to go back to work and make sure that he liked. So, ladies, how was that first bottle introduced to your breastfed baby? Um, Well, in both cases, I think we were around four or five weeks old um, when we did it. And um, the first time my husband introduced, and the second time it was our nanny, um, because we had a nanny already at that uh, by, by the time we had our second um, son. Um, and I just kind of wasn't around. So it's 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 almost, I don't really, I think it it's went okay. <laughs> I, yeah, because I, I intentionally wasn't there. I'd been told not to be there, that it would be hard for the baby to, to take a bottle if I was around, if he could sense that I was there. So, um, but I think it, I think in both cases it, it went actually pretty well. Well, with my first, um, I supplemented in the beginning well, I supplemented the whole time, so she liked the bottle. The bottle and her were great friends. <laughs> my, boob, my boob was not her friend. So um, with her, there was no problem. But with my second, she still doesn't love the bottle. Um, and how old is she again? She's almost 11 months. Okay. So now, well, then we didn't, I didn't even try until she was, gosh, I don't know, maybe four weeks old. My husband tried to give her a bottle and... She screamed bloody murder. It's almost like she was offended by it. Um, (laughs) her. I mean, really, like literally offended. And I think eventually what happened is that she just kind of fell asleep. You know, she She gave up. Yeah, she gave up and did not take it. And then, you know, intermediately, um, my mom, who is like a saint, (laughs) gave it to her. And, you know, I'm sure she fussed and was offended by that as well but my mom just kind of kept it there and then when she realized that it was my milk inside the bottle that made her happy so she took mm. it begrudgingly but she took it and now still I mean it depends like even right now I'm like I hope she's taking the bottles <laughs> you know she just knows that it's it's not the real thing so well my daughter is almost five months and she's still refusing uh, we did get her to take about an ounce a few times um, but to date, we haven't been very lucky. 
And how often do you work? Because there's definitely a need for her to have some sort of nutrition when you're away from her. I work almost full time. Yeah. Um, so she spends her days. I, I do come home during lunch and feed her, um, but she has made up for it by nursing all night. Oh yes, that's. that's <laughs> and I actually have a very similar situation with my second son. It was almost the same thing. I had I had been going to school for lactation at the time, and um, and my husband would watch the boys on the on the weekend while I was going to school and uh, <laughs> and he just would not take the bottle and he would scream and cry for those eight hours to you know weekend days um, so for 16 hours he just screamed and screamed and screamed until he was four months old and we I think at last count we counted 42 different bottles and nipples that we went through oh to try <laughs> to placate him and he hated every single one we tried fast flow slow flow medium flow uh hard textured nipples soft textured nipples flat ones round ones long ones short ones i mean it was like a dr seuss book um and it was awful i thought well you know what the heck maybe i'll try a sippy cup so i tried the soft spout sippy cups he was okay with that and then somebody said well why don't you try one of those little flip top straw cups thought, well, he's only four months. He can't do that. She's like, well, he can suck it out of a breast. He can suck it out of a straw cup. So I thought, okay, well, let's see about that. And lo and behold, we had a little flip top straw cup and he started drinking out of that and problem was solved. So what we're looking at as like the convention of, okay, my baby's X months old. He's got to have a bottle as a substitute for the breast. No, it doesn't. You have to think out of the box. Yeah, you have to. You have to. I was just going to ask. I I wonder why they do that whole, okay, I'm going to take an ounce and then get mad. Mm. You know, because she does that too. What Christina said, it's just silly. You know, you you just took it. You know that it's, you know, the good stuff. So why are you (laughs) going to cry afterwards? Part of it, I think, is A, there's all the air that they're getting. And so um, when they're getting it and they're uncomfortable and they're like... you know, it's not as comfortable as mom. Wah. And then the other thing is, is that suck satiation, you know, okay, it came down way too fast. I'm not still hugging and sucking and comforting. And there's that, that part of that suck satiation that's not fulfilling them. So mm-hmm. they're just kind of restating their opposition towards what they're doing at this moment they're like okay i need to eat so i'll take it but i want you to know i'm not liking it and and so they're just stating their opinion yeah veronica should a mother be worried about her milk supply if she gives a bottle on a regular basis yes depending on how she's giving the bottle um there are some moms who elect not to pump and so if they're putting in a breast milk substitute into the bottle and they're not stimulating the breast well goodbye milk you know it just that's just the way it works you don't stimulate you don't get the milk but if they're um, pumping their milk out and putting their express breast milk into a bottle then there shouldn't be a worry however there are moms who don't respond to the pump as well as they do to their own baby so their milk ejection or their letdown whatever you want to call it is not quite as strong with the pump and so then 
they don't get emptied as well, and then only a partial signal is going to their brain. So um, a lot of moms ask me, when should I start pumping, or I shouldn't start pumping until three or four weeks because I'm not going to offer a bottle. I always tell them, get familiar with the pump as soon as you're getting familiar with the baby so your brain can be tricked into accepting both forms of milking. Oh, that's a great bit of advice. I've never heard anyone recommend that, but it, I mean, it, it makes complete sense. Absolutely. So, and then that way, because I have had many friends who they cannot let down for the pump and they have to go back to work and it is devastating because they even with hand expression they can get a little bit out but it's just they're not emptying as well as the baby is and so it's just this huge stressor so I think that I think I'm going to start recommending that I like that idea it's a good one and if you look at moms whose babies go to the NICU um they start letting down for the pump just fine, and yep. it's because it was the first thing that they started doing. Mm, that's terrific. Ladies, were you able to keep up your supply, or have you been able to keep up your supply um, while your baby is taking a bottle? And if you have, how so? I noticed that if I have to travel, which I've had to start doing um, recently for work, where I'm pumping repetitively and not nursing, that I do gradually, like the pump definitely isn't as great as as nursing. And so I will lose my, start to lose supply. Um, So I just make sure that when I am at home, I'm really not, I'm, I'm taking every opportunity that I can to nurse, and it comes back up. And sometimes I have to do some other things, too, like switch to just having oatmeal every morning for breakfast and maybe take some um, botanicals or something like that. But I can get it back. Um, so I notice that it's, it's, not as, it's not as great. Like, it kind of weans over time. Well, I'm not working, so I don't have to take the... I don't have to pump much. If I pump, it's just because my husband and I want to, you know, steal a night out or <laughs> something like that. Um, or, you know, if I'm going to go work out or something like that. Uh, however, I've noticed the contrary since I am nursing her still so much. When I do pump, I make more milk because my body's thinking that there's this extra, you know, nursing session or something like that. Um, so it's actually stimulating your it's, supply. It stimulates my supply. So like mm-hmm. if I pump one day, then I notice that the next day I have super full breasts. Mm-hmm. So then I keep pumping and it's sort of like this <laughs> thing where I'm just like, okay, you know. <laughs> but I think conversely, as opposed to what she's going through, what you're going through is that you're not actually being away from your baby as much. So it is an extra feeding. It is an extra right. stimulation. So that's, I think, where the, the whole different situations beget a different result rather than being in place of a feeding session Mm -hmm. we're looking at where val is actually providing an extra stimulation Mm -hmm. right so how about you christina i actually developed a little bit of an oversupply when she was about three months old because she was nursing all night pretty continuously and there was an awful lot of stimulation going on and um that's tapered off a little bit now and we're back in the normal range and i'm happy for that Mm -hmm. yay but so in that case, you were getting so much stimulation at night, and then you were getting constant stimulation by the pump yeah. while you were at work. Mm-hmm. So again, you were also mm-hmm. having... So again, it all goes back to supply and demand. Exactly. So um, is it true that the breastfeeding mom shouldn't be the first person to give her baby a bottle? And why is that if it is? Well, Keegan said it you know, kind of a little bit when she introduced her bottle, she kind of went away um, for a little bit. And there's a couple of things that happen if you're there or you're the one offering the the bottle. Um, first of all, it's association, okay? And so you're the you're the breast milk provider, the breast provider, and so 
you don't want the baby to see you as the bottle provider also. Um, so no, you you don't want to be the one giving the baby the bottle. It should be, you know, maybe grandma or dad or somebody that the baby trusts. It definitely should be somebody that the baby trusts. Um, the other thing, I, I find this kind of funny because I, I saw it with myself, but I've seen it with other moms as well, is that we're, we're programmed not to like our babies cry. And the more and more they cry and fuss, um, we get really irritated and irritable and angry and it's not fun. And so if the baby, um, like in Valeria's situation or Christina's situation, if they're not liking the bottle and the baby is rejecting it and crying and crying and crying, and let's say it's daddy who's offering the bottle and we're sitting there going oh my god he's so stupid he can't even give a bottle to a baby and so then what we do is we walk over we take the baby out of his arms we put the baby on the breast and go see you couldn't do it and then you're just a emasculating daddy Mm -hmm. and b not teaching the baby how to take the breast and so what's happening is that we're wanting to fix the situation and we're really not fixing it at all if our goal is to give the baby a bottle. Okay, when we come back, um, we'll be discussing what to do if your breastfed baby refuses to take that bottle. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. Veronica, every once in a while, I have a client whose breastfed baby took the bottle perfectly around three to five weeks of age and then suddenly began to refuse the bottle right around three months. Um, Have you seen this? And if you have, what do you think maybe some of the reasons that causes this? There's there's a couple of different reasons. Um, The first one is, okay, I tried the bottle and it went great. So I don't want to ruin breastfeeding. So I'm just going to walk away from it and not come back to it until I have to. Um, And that is the biggest mistake that you do. Like I said earlier on, you have to continue the skill. And so, you know, doing that, that one bottle a day or one bottle every other day is what's really appropriate in order to to continue that skill. Um, The other thing, though, is baby's personality. Christina, you were telling me earlier on that your, your baby definitely has that personality of, no, this is what I want. This is what I like. Um, and I've heard it kind of referred to as um, uh, just kind of a preference as to texture, the way it's delivered. Let's face it, girls, our packages are much prettier than the <laughs> bottles. Um, and, and if you think about how it's just the right temperature and it's just the right texture, um, the baby just goes, no, you know, I can just tell that that other thing is just so cold and sterile and it's not that loving embrace that my mom gives me, even though somebody's holding me and giving me the bottle, it's not that loving embrace. And they want that. They so crave that. And that's why Christina's baby is choosing to reconnect all night long, much to her dismay. But that's why we have that situation is because I'm, I'm, really loving that connection that I have with my mommy. Um, and then there's another another situation also is that sometimes the breast milk when frozen or, or refrigerated doesn't taste right yeah. once you thaw it out. Um, 
And so it just doesn't taste right in the bottle. And so I like the way it tastes, you know, fresh from mom. Um, so that's another situation that might be happening. And that's um, when there's a high lipase content and, and you can um, you can scald your milk and freeze it after, after warming it up and scalding it. Um, and then finally, there's also that... Um, kind of a not a stranger anxiety but you have the babies much more aware at three months four months five months they kind of um don't want to be held by anyone else and and they don't want to be touched by anybody else and only mommy will do and and so there's that situation as well so it's it's kind of a bonding thing and i don't particularly think it's bad but it's not great if you have to go back to work either so but they will they will get their nutritional needs Christina is a testament to that. I was a testament to that. I was, you know, I was breastfeeding all night long to my two-year-old, you know, who shouldn't have been breastfeeding all night long at that point in time, but he was wanting to reconnect with me. Mm. So how can a breastfeeding mom best avoid this, um, if at all possible? I mean, some of these, there's there's no way to, to fix it. But essentially, kind of going back to what you were describing, would you recommend giving that bottle as part of the routine? Yeah, I, I would say definitely uh, once the breastfeeding has been well established, you know, get that bottle in there once a day, keep it as part of the routine, um, and make that time your time. Go for a walk or go to the gym, like Valeria said, you know, just you know, make sure that you make that your time and so that that baby can have that time away. Um, if you have to go back to work, for example, do a, uh, a couple of weeks of dry runs. You know, take a half day away um, with whoever the nanny or the, the child care provider is going to be. Yeah, it might cost you a little bit more to start a little bit earlier, but do that so that they that baby can actually start feeling those trusting bonds between that person and them. And, um, and the other thing is, you know, see if your, your milk tastes funny, taste it yourself. Don't give your baby anything that you wouldn't drink yourself. Yeah. And it's supposed to taste sweet. It's supposed to so. taste sweet. Yeah. It, um, it kind of, well, at least in my case, mm-hmm. and from what I've heard from other people actually tastes like cantaloupe juice. So, <laughs> so funny. It, it, it's hey, they're the melons. <laughs> <laughs> Never drew that conclusion, but yes. <laughs> so it does. It tastes like warm cantaloupe juice, and and if it tastes kind of um, soapy or um, a little rancid, then you've got that high lipase content. Mm. You might want to scald the milk before you put it away in the freezer, and then that way you you can know that it's not going to be spoiled by the time it gets to your baby. Can you describe what um, what the lipase is? Lipase is the actual the the fat um, enzymes in the milk, and um, what it does is it causes the the milk to break down. If there's too much of that of that high lipase content, it kind of eats the fats away from the milk, and so that's what causes um, you know cow's milk to spoil. And and basically, when you're scalding the milk, what you're doing is you're pasteurizing it. Yeah. What about the nutritional value after you scald it? It is going to go down a little bit, and just like freezing and, and reheating it is going to go down. Um, but hey, Again, you're starting from the best source. So. I, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, hey, it's still a heck of a lot better than giving formula. So what the I heck? have a question about that, actually. if the, What if the baby will take it in that high lipase state? You know, and they don't seem to have trouble with it. Is the milk spoiled? Is I, there something wrong with it? Or if if they take it, then don't ask any questions. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like if that's the way they like it, you know, and they'll take it and it's not affecting their stomach, then 
You know, it's kind of like sometimes I drink the milk in the fridge past the due date on the, you know, on the bottle and, and I'm fine. So, you know, if, and it doesn't smell funny or anything like that. So if they're, if they're taking it, don't, you know, don't ask any questions. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. (laughs) I actually found that I do have an excess lipase issue and I didn't figure it out until just a few weeks ago. Um, I'd always tasted fresh breast milk and I never had tasted what was in the fridge. And I did that and I figured out that that's part of the problem. So mm-hmm. now my daughter has been associating this bottle with giving her milk that tastes bad. Yep. So that's an additional barrier to getting her to take the bottle. So I, I wish that in retrospect, I had just taken a bottle of refrigerated milk and tasted it mm-hmm. months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's actually something that when I'm um, teaching the prenatal breastfeeding classes and we, we talk about pumping, it's something that I address in that class. Um, because I don't want anybody to go out there and have any surprises. I mean, I, I had one mom who had 30 bags of frozen milk and she came to me crying going, is it just all spoiled because her child wouldn't take it? And I'm like, yep, sorry. You know, and, and she had to start anew and that was her stash for her going back to work. And it was one week before she had to go to work. So it was just like, oh, the one thing I did find out, though, um, while discussing Christine, with Christina her excess lipase issue, um, was that you can actually donate that milk because it is going to be pasteurized anyway and mixed with a whole bunch of other ladies' milk. So if it's something that you are comfortable doing, um, you can donate it to a milk bank and someone else can benefit from that milk even though your baby may not be able to. Although that doesn't that doesn't make it any easier for the mom who has to go back to work and now has Absolutely. lost her stash. But there there is a little bit of a silver lining on that cloud, I guess. There you go. Preemie baby out there loves you for it. Exactly, exactly. Um, Veronica, so... What tips do you have for moms whose breastfed babies are refusing to take a bottle? It's kind of baby-based. One of the things that uh, I always tell uh, the parents, especially the dads, is that the dads want to put the baby in that um, crook of the arm type of hold, um, just like the the regular cradle hold. Um, And I say don't do that because, you know, unless mom has an incredibly fast letdown, most of the time they're not chug-a-lugging. And um, when they go with the bottle, it's very much like, you know, it's really a -a chug-a-lug fest. Like if you're, you know, taking a beer bong down or something. I don't know, you know. And so the baby's not comfortable with that and they're not liking it. Um, And so what happens is if you put the baby a little bit more upright or kind of in a more side-lying position and make the bottle be um, kind of more parallel to the floor instead of perpendicular to the baby, um, the flow slows down. The baby is now guiding the flow versus the bottle guiding the flow. And um, it's a much more humane way of giving the baby the bottle. And they tend to be more accepting of it. Um, And then the other thing is stopping and burping uh, in between. Like I was telling Valeria a little bit earlier on was that, you know, sometimes they have that gas bubble. And and just like when you drink a soda, you kind of have to stop and let the air out first before you can continue to drink that soda or else it's going to be uncomfortable in your esophagus. There's that air bubble trapped in there. So stop the baby. As soon as you hear them kind of gulp some air and do that, you know, sputter, choke type thing, stop them. Take the bottle out of their mouth and then go ahead and give them a burping and then put them back in that nice humane positioning and give them the bottle. Um, And don't insist on the bottle 
until the baby is screaming and, you know, red or blue faced because they're so mad because now you're going to give them a negative association. If they don't want to take it, okay, go ahead and walk away for a little bit and then come back five minutes later and see if we can do it a little bit better. And don't ever introduce anything new to a baby when they're tired or when they're voracious. Um, It's got to be kind of when they're in that either just falling asleep or just having woken up calm state not hysterical because they'll they'll do better uh, learning anything new when they're not hungry and when they're not tired nobody has patience to learn anything when they're hungry or tired absolutely I guess this is more targeted towards um, Val and Christina because I know Keegan your boys have been pretty successful in taking a bottle but although many of your tricks I'm sure have (laughs) have not necessarily worked for your babies what what tricks are those so that way maybe other moms who haven't tried them yet could could give them a try um, well, for, for Mila, it's definitely my mom's biggest trick is kind of holding her in a very, you know, like kind of almost squeezing her, holding her, not squeezing her, um, just holding her very snugly yeah. so that she feels very comforted. And um, that definitely works like calming her down because I'm always wearing her or holding her. So I feel she really likes that feeling of just your arms and not not like stressing out because babies feed off of that you know so just relax she sits on the couch cuddles her gives her the bottle so it's not me but it's still a nice comforting feeling and then what I always tell my husband before I leave is don't wait until she's super hungry because if she's already crying it's not going to happen she's yeah. just going to get more mad and then she's just going to cry for 15 minutes and then eventually just fall asleep without eating which has happened yeah so how about you, Christina? I know you have a pretty long list. But, yeah, um. <laughs> you know, we've tried. First of all, I can't be anywhere near the place. I can't even have been in the house recently. So he has to wait some time before I, since I leave. And then he's tried having my clothes near him. He's tried having my clothes not near him with the smell. Um, she does a little bit better if you face her out instead of facing her mm-hmm. in. Um, and sitting in more in an upright position, like you mentioned, the bouncy seat is a little bit less traumatic than being held. Um, what else? Trying in the stroller, trying in the car, trying when there's some sort of enough of distraction where she doesn't realize that we're trying to force her to do something awful. <laughs> um, that's her perspective. That's her yeah. perspective. I was so. going to say, it's not something awful. Yeah. It's just her, her take on so, it. Um, we've also tried other vehicles, spoon feeding um, small cups to see if she'll lap it up, um, finger feeding. We, we've tried quite a, a few other ways to get the milk in her as well. Well, thank you so much, Veronica, for your insight into how to introduce a bottle and what to do if your breastfed baby refuses a bottle. Thank you for having me, Robin. I appreciate it. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Before we wrap things up, here's Lara Adello talking about ways to overcome societal booby traps. Hi, Food Group listeners. I'm Lara Adello, a certified lactation educator, 
the retail marketing manager at Best for Babes and owner of Mama Pear Designs. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions about how you can achieve your personal breastfeeding goals without being undermined by cultural and institutional booby traps, such as, what are the myths about labor medications and their effects on breastfeeding? Pain medications are routinely used during labor, with some hospitals boasting epidural rates as high as 98 and 99%. And while they may not affect your baby's health, they can affect your baby's ability to breastfeed in the immediate postpartum period. Research is where we get the information we need to make recommendations, and this evidence-based information needs to make its way to mothers. Otherwise, it's just another booby trap. The Impact of Birthing Practices on Breastfeeding by Linda Smith has to say, Injections into the epidural space are quickly detectable in cord blood. Pain relief drugs cross the placenta and reach the fetus or infant very quickly, in a matter of seconds to a few minutes. The drugs are designed to numb sensory nerves in the mother, and therefore, they also affect sensory and motor nerves in the infant that affect rooting, sucking, and breathing. One common myth is that once medication has worn off in you, it is also worn off in your baby. Not so with a number of drugs. The pediatric half-life, a measure of the duration of a medication in your system, of many labor medications is higher than the maternal half-life, meaning they may affect your baby's ability to breastfeed after you no longer feel the effects. Another myth is that there are forms of medication which don't get to the baby, and the truth is all drugs taken by the mother reach the baby. And the third myth is that there are standard epidural which all anesthesiologists use. The truth is that epidurals can vary, both in terms of the medications used and the dosage. And of course, the dose you and your baby get depends on how long you have one. Other consequences of epidurals which can affect breastfeeding because they lead to a cascade of interventions which can ultimately lead to a cesarean birth. Epidural use also raises the risk of maternal fever, infant fever, and consequent separation of mother and baby for the evaluation and treatment of those conditions. Should you choose pain medications in labor, you can still have a wonderful breastfeeding experience. Best for Babes believes that you deserve to know what the evidence says about labor medications and breastfeeding, and that you deserve support should you experience breastfeeding difficulty for this or any other reason. A special thank you to Tanya Lieberman, IBCLC, for writing the Booby Trap series for Best for Babes. Visit www.bestforbabes.org for more great information about how to meet your personal breastfeeding goals. In my business, www.mamapairdesigns.com for breastfeeding supportive wearables. And be sure to listen to The Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. Thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you'll visit our website, theboobgroup.com, and our Facebook page to offer your advice on what tricks you tried when your breastfed baby refused the bottle. If you have any questions about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Boob Group hotline at 619-866-4775, and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear it. Simply visit our website, theboobgroup.com, and send us an email through the contact link. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, because mothers know breast. This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode 
are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.